Hey there, what's up? Welcome to another episode of To Dare is Human. I'm Adam Connor, and as you know, this is a podcast dedicated to stories of grit, determination, persistence, and sometimes plain hard-nosed stubbornness on the human journey to success. And this story's got a little bit of all of them. Today, I'll be chatting with John Wise and Wombie Rose, two naval architects who, rather than ending up on the path to sinking your battleship, founded Love Pop and have instead sought to lift hearts through their delicate, intricate, and stunning works of art in the form of 3D paper sculptures, taking the world of traditional cards by storm. Those of you familiar with this show at this point should hardly be surprised to hear about stories of changes in industry or scenery in pursuit of one's passion, but despite the clear difference in end product here, it's interesting how much similarity there is between the mentality behind building a ship and an intricate piece of art, especially one of this nature of what's known as slice-form kiragami. Also, keep an ear out during this. Does that make sense? Keep an ear out for their comments on starting a business together as great friends first. A lot of times those stories end in lost friendships and burnt businesses, but that isn't the case here, though it hasn't come without its difficulties. I encourage you to learn more from their story and take a look at what they have to offer, but without further ado, before all that, here's John Wise and Wambi Rose of Love Pop. Okay, so I'm here with the founders of Love Pop, Wombi Rose and John Wise. Hey guys, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show, connecting with me and uh, agreeing to talk a little more about the business. Absolutely, we're excited. Very excited. I uh, I have to say that, you know, I ran into your story just through looking online for like, I'll tell you what it was originally, it was looking for like the best ideas out of Shark Tank and uh, great ideas. I know you were covered in Forbes a while back. You were featured there. But I am capturing just the today story of Love Pop, which of course uh, is amazing just having come off of, of Valentine's Day. Obviously going to be a big day for you guys. But in terms of the business these days, things seem to be going very well. You're getting a lot of coverage. Uh, so I just wanted to talk uh, to you a little bit about that first before we throw it back like we normally do and talk about the humble beginnings. But it seems like it's been a wild ride to, uh, to get to this point. Definitely. And we're very excited about where we are today, which is building a company that combines imagination and engineering to add meaning into people's lives. And we just had an incredible Valentine's Day that you mentioned, uh, pretty much ran out of stock of almost every design that we have uh, to the point where I think the last one we had left was a yellow dogwood tree. Um, and, and at the same time, we're building a wedding invitation platform that's a really exciting piece of technology and an experience that, uh, we'll be launching in the next three months or so, uh, which will represent a, a step forward in our ability to customize cards. And, um, at the same time, we have, we have a, an incredible team that is really passionate about designing paper sculptures, about creating uh, messengers for people to share their emotions with others and to create those moments of special meaning. And, and that team has come together over the last three years through a lot of um, good times and, and hard times and is really coalescing into to a, a really fun place to be, really. I love Pop. 
That's great. That's great to hear. It's good to to also know that you are growing and you have new ideas in the pipeline ready to launch. And I do want to uh, jump on something you just said because I, I do know there are plenty of good times, a couple of tough times. And I know, uh, you know, on this show, we talk just as much about today's success uh, as we do about the early days and a bit of the struggles. And uh, I know just having before we jumped on here, there are a number of great stories. So uh, if you don't mind, I want to I want to turn the clocks back roughly a dozen years to when you two first met. Uh, when uh, greeting cards and uh, 3D paper sculptures and expressing emotions in this way was not in the cards uh, for you guys. Um, wh- why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, where you met, how you met, and uh, how you came to, to come into contact with cards as a, as a passion or a way of communication or a business? So I can kick us off with where we met. Wambi and I went to a really tiny engineering school in New York called Webb Institute. Really, really unique, cool place. We graduated with 18 other students. So there's normally around 100 students in the whole school, all doing one degree, which is naval architecture. So ship design. Um, I met Wambi on day one when I was, so it was day one of college. It was a very high stakes day. Uh, <laughs> As it often is. <laughs> meeting all of your new friends, like, very, you know, I grew up in a small town from elementary school all the way through high school. So like this is a whole new, whole new world. Um, I was in my button down with my mom, all organized, like ready for my first day. And Wambi comes in and we're like, oh man, who is this guy? And he's in like bright orange shorts, like kind of a ratty t-shirt, a fishing hat. And his dad's yelling like, Wambi, where'd you put the fish? <laughs> because they had been fishing all morning down on the down off the pier. <laughs> and that and that was your first introduction. That's a heck of a that was my very first introduction. And then I guess on top of that, there was also like the guitars and the keyboards coming in and <laughs> uh, which I later found out he was learning. <laughs> Oh great! So you 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 didn't uh, you didn't hear virtuoso from day one. I'm sure there was plenty of experimentation. I, there's still not any virtuoso coming out of those instruments now. <laughs> but it was so we had it was really it was like quite quite the intro. But it really we came to be can't become really really good friends at school. Um, it was a very intense program. We did a lot of traveling, a lot of playing. We also worked really hard and got to know each other really, really well. And it, it kind of was at web that we, there was some inkling of maybe we should work together someday. Um, it would be really cool. And it wasn't even just us. It was with our, our whole group of friends. We were thinking about, it'd be very cool if we all found ourselves able to collaborate and work together and build something, build something together. Yeah. yeah our class, our class had, um, had this concept well for some reason we caught ourselves the wolf pack and so there was always this idea of could we someday start wolf pack industries and we weren't really sure what we would do with that but it was always an idea in our minds we would love to to, to work together on on this concept um when when i met john at web he was he was kind of the the guy everyone looked up to because he he grew up whitewater rafting and his parents run a whitewater rafting company down in South Carolina and whitewater rafting was one of those things like you got to do like once a year and it was super cool 
and John did it like every day growing up. Um, and so that's that was kind of the thing that um, I thought was really cool. And and we then we started working together on a bunch of projects. And even when we left Web, uh, we were pretty much in constant communication. We're still in constant communication with most of our class from Web because it's such a small community and everyone really becomes best friends. So you hopefully are hoping to build up the Wolfpack. You are studying naval architecture, but a chance trip overseas opened your eyes to something different. Yeah, so after after Web, um, we kind of went different ways. I, I went and did a, a master's degree in optimization because I had no idea what I wanted to do following school. John joined a startup aluminum boat builder down in Louisiana um, and worked, it's called Metal Shark Boats, and worked there for four years and designed a really, well, I'll let him tell you more about this boat, but really cool boat that the Coast Guard now has 500 of. Um, wow. And, and, and following that experience, um, kind of felt like he was, he, he really wanted to put that kind of time and energy into something that he had some, some ownership in, but didn't know anything about business. So he joined or he applied to a number of schools and got into Harvard Business School, which was super exciting. He called me at the time I was in Australia uh, working for a consulting firm that I joined out of my master's program. And um, it seemed like the right time to try to get together. So I applied as well, um, got in, and we started in the fall of 2013 in Harvard Business School. And six months in, we were uh, on a trip to Vietnam, and I was working with an online dating company. Uh, John, I was working with a uh, online radio company, and they're basically these companies looking at their local market and trying to figure out how they could learn from the U.S. market. So it was a really interesting project. We were there. We came across the art form of slice form kirigami, which is now, which has become the kind of core love pop technology. And we instantly fell in love with the product. We were literally, we're together. We saw it. We're like, whoa, that is awesome. The... We, we were like arguing over who was going to get to get the first ones. And we didn't even realize it at the time, but we also understood exactly how they were made and the whole like kind of construction engineering of the, of the pop-up because of our naval architecture background, which was really interesting. And only, you know, after we each designed a handful and we were working with other people and we were thinking, how do we get more people to design cards with us? And we're like, surely everyone can do it. And then over a few periods, a few months to a year, we realized that it's actually a really hard and really unique skill set that we have um, to be able to design this kind of card. Interesting. You seem to have so many uh, disparate paths that ended up here. I want to, I want to know more about the shark boat too. Maybe, I don't know for now or later, but, <laughs> the shark boat. How do you know about the shark boat? <laughs> um, and I want to know about that, but then, because, well, no, because I just said that, you know, Coast Guard's using them, but um, you go from that to getting into 
radio to getting into this. And it's funny how all of those things, I think, like you said at the beginning, sort of coalesce and become a become, I guess, a niche where you can combine this sort of... I love also how you take a look at these cards and you immediately think, wow, this is great design. <laughs> because a lot of people would just look... I'm sure that you've shown samples of what you eventually did and do now. And people open them up and they're just wowed by like the artistry. And so it's funny to be able to see the other side and see it so immediately. And, and I'm sure that helped you get a grasp on the business much, much sooner than any uh, simple admirer would be able to. It helped us grasp the the product. I would not say it helped us grasp the business in the beginning, um, which is an interesting distinction. Like, it is very true. People in the beginning, when we would talk about ourselves and Love Pop and what we're doing, they were, oh, you guys are artists. And we'd be like, no, we're actually engineers. And then it immediately clicked for them, too. Like, oh, right, that makes sense as well. Um, but it, it's not... It isn't where you intuitively go, but as you did, as you were kind of getting to, we have found that it it has become a strength that we are in this um, kind of artistic industry, but we have this core set of engineering principles that allow us to do what we're doing, but also have allowed us to like be very analytical and critical in the business building and in the systems building and in the manufacturing um in particular as well which kind of opened the whole made the whole thing possible well when you when you design a boat you create what's called a lines plan and that plan outlines the shape of the hull which is a very complex 3d shape and the way you generate it is by taking that shape and slicing it up into planes and where those planes intersect the shape of that hull you draw a line it's pretty much the exact same way that we design love pop cards now, where you have that grid set up and then you cut the planes out for whatever shape you're trying to, to make. And the difference in the manufacturing is instead of, for example, John at Metal Shark Boats was cutting aluminum out um, mm. on a big router and then welding those pieces together into a structure, we cut paper out on a laser cutter, and then we use a little bit of glue and a lot of slots and tabs to connect them at their intersection points. So it's interesting in that it's the same process, but very different materials. I think John's experience at Metal Shark um, creating that team and that engineering uh, is what enabled us to eventually get the confidence to build a factory. Gotcha. The design then you knew, the business less, though, decent fallback Harvard Business School, isn't it? That's true. The, the business we were learning as we as we went, which was awesome. So we, again, Wambi alluded to it, but we kind of founded Love Pop in our second semester of business school. And so we still had three semesters where we were learning, you know, building the business trial by fire, like trying to sell the cars, trying to design the cars, trying to hire help wherever we needed it, um, whether it be from friends or our classmates, partners, or um, really wherever we could like pull it in. But we also happened to be in this really amazing environment of, really smart people who have solved a lot of the different challenges that we were up against and were more than willing to be sounding boards, whether it be professors or classmates 
or uh, other founders trying to get their startups off the ground. It was actually a, a really, the business piece of it, we were enabled to kind of learn it learn it as we went, which was really great. Yeah, the uh, the fixture, uh, listeners, if you're probably maybe unaware, but the uh, Harvard Innovation Lab is a great place for budding entrepreneurs who are attending to uh, try out these sorts of ideas and gain interest from not, not only potential consumers, but also partners and investors and things like that. Uh, I've here on this show talked to, I think, at least one other person who has been involved in something like that. And uh, with, with the iLabs being created while I think, I think it was just being created while I was there as well, it, it uh, really is an amazing thing. And, um, you know, if, if you ever are fortunate enough to go, I would strongly consider, um, you know, starting an idea or starting a business there. Now, this was an idea that once in the lab and once tested and once uh, proven a success, you start to show it around, I'm sure, to friends and family and prospective customers and partners. And at what moment did you say, hey, this is seriously more than just a project in the iLab that just happened to go well. This is something that we need to make our full-time gig and drop all of this other, uh, all of these other interests in pursuit of, of you know, Kirigami, basically? It's a really good question, and there's a short answer and a, and a long answer. I think there's there's a couple moments that all have to do with showing customers okay. our product. And um, John and the team went out um, and into Boston Common, and we're doing a full day of just videoing customer reactions. And one of these reactions was just so incredible, um, where he asked a lady named Kyle, um, who would you give this to? And she was holding the floral bouquet. And she said, I know exactly who I'd give this to. I would give this to my mom. I would give it to her today because it's the fifth anniversary of my dad passing away. And it would just mean so much to her. It's like a tree of life. And that, I think, encapsulates what happened to us where, you know, we didn't know anything about consumer products. We came from ship design, heavy industry, spent a lot of time with like steel-toed boots and hard hats running around shipyards, um, giant plates of rusty steel. And so we, we really didn't know anything about consumer products, but we did know that we had never gone into an apparel store and seen someone just like stop and like tug on their friend's shirt and be like, oh my God, take a look at this t-shirt. Like, this is amazing. But that's what was happening to us whenever we would go out into the world with Love Pops. And, and so we knew that there was something special there. At the same time, um, we were having a lot of trouble working together. When we started working together, we thought we knew each other really well. Um, we were best friends from college. Um, we uh, like trusted each other or we thought we trusted each other, but it turned out that um, we would have these three hour long circular conversations trying to get to some, some answer. And we actually didn't really trust each other. We didn't really appreciate the other's opinions on a lot of things. And it made that first year working together really, really hard um, to the point where like, we couldn't agree on the script for the Kickstarter campaign. We couldn't like, and it just was like battle after battle. And at the same time, um, John was looking at Harvard Business School as an opportunity. Um, and 
we had to start figuring out what we were going to do after school because recruiting was coming around and, and we were giving up like the ability to uh, take on different kinds of jobs. The whole, you know, starting a business is a fairly high stakes project or, or endeavor. Um, you're really putting everything on hold and investing not only your time, but also like money. Like we both uh, are putting in our, we're in debt. We have student loans and we are in debt and we are buying product <laughs> and paying the, you know, web services to like host our website and spending what at the time is like very real money. Um, and then the layering on of the, you know, the, the professional development and where are we going from here? And it just, the whole, the whole thing became much higher stakes than it really even needed to be. Um, but it was definitely really challenging. And so we were, I was inspired by the product. I was moved by the story in the Boston uh, Commons that Juan be told. Like the other thing it did for me was give me a feeling of, of a slightly like kind of higher purpose. We aren't just selling a cool knickknack. We're actually selling something that's really meaningful and really powerful and um, engages people on a level that you don't see with that same t-shirt or any t-shirt. Um, so that was also just like really inspiring and empowering. And then the people liked it a lot, but it, the challenge was, can we actually overcome working together? Um, which was a really interesting tension that neither of us had actually foreseen. And John touched on it too. And the financial, like, we were actually in debt, a lot of money, and we had used pretty much all of our money um, on the business. And then we started taking like some really questionable loans at very high, like 28% interest rates that we had no idea how we were going to pay back. Um, and so we, we were in a, in a situation where it's like, wow, we've put everything we have and more than we have into this business. Um, we're having some trouble working together. We love what we're doing, um, but can we commit to this? Because if we don't make that decision soon, we have to go get jobs. And so we found ourselves in that position at the end of um, the end of 2014. So moving into that next um, that that next year, we had to make some decisions and. That's when we 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 made a couple couple decisions. The first one was that we were always going to put our friendship first before the business, um, and that was really critical because that commitment is the only reason that we were able to work through um, work through the beginning of the business and that that first year and the next year. Also, uh, easier said than done. The other, just for advice for listeners, do be very careful with that. We've we've pulled it through, but there were there were times when yeah. that wasn't necessarily um there are times when that almost did kill the business <laughs> um and and but we made the commitment and we made the commitment in early um in early 2015 and one of the implications was we were going to have to start our own production facility gotcha so it was it's always difficult i mean i i've I've never had personally the uh, desire to start a business with a friend, but that's always going to cause 
sort of friction, at least in my mind, but it's good that you knew where the line was and what the priorities were. And it's uh, so great to hear that through it, you were able to sort of find a way to, um, to find a way to just make it happen and go through uh, your plans as planned and get past, you know, the tough times. And these tough times always exist. Now, moving a little bit forward, you start to get interest from investors, from people who see this idea and say, not only is this, you know, a very an intimate personal gesture in terms of a product, but also if you scale it at a super viable business. I, uh, without knowing exactly the, uh, without knowing the full composition of, of your investors, I, I do know, of course, of one, as many people do, um, when you made it onto Shark Tank. Now, I have no idea what it takes to get on that show. I assume there's like, like the closest I could think of was like one time I thought, hey, it'd be pretty cool if I went on Jeopardy. And it turns out there's like a whole mess of things you have to do to get there. But Shark Tank, I got to imagine, is like even more intense. I-, I would love to hear how exactly you you prepared for it. And I know that you went and created some uh, pretty amazing custom, you know, demo products basically for each shark. But in terms of just getting in the mindset of like, okay, this is potentially our chance. Because really, if nothing else, and if, if you walk away with no offer even, you get a great amount of publicity and you will, you know, probably run into maybe the same issue that you ran in on Valentine's Day where everybody buys you out. And that's a good problem to have. But up until then, how did you prepare mentally just to go in and face all of that music? Practice <laughs> and a lot of, um, I guess, it, there, there's only so much you can prepare. It is just as high stakes as you're as you're saying. It is just as kind of complex of a process. It's uh, you know, there's applications, there's interviews, there's videos you have to make. And so by the time you're actually there, you've invested a lot into it. And you're right that leaving the tank without a deal may not be the end of the world. It may may be fine, but there's also some risk that you slip up or don't know your numbers as well as you should. And then, you know, you also can look a little silly if you're not careful on the show. So I, it is really, it was really high stakes and how we got through it was just making sure we, we knew our stuff. And I think when we first waiting to go and the doors opening and walking in, was like the most nervous that we've been during love pop. Um, but really, as soon as we started talking about the business and the sharks were asking us questions that were real and very smart about how we were thinking about different things and why we did different things, and it, it kind of became just a conversation. Um, and it was actually, it was fairly remarkable how comfortable we became fairly quickly, um, which I think ultimately was good and ultimately got us where we, where we wanted to be. I think there were two things in particular that we did to prepare that looking back on it were really valuable. One was we watched an insane number of Shark Tank episodes because we knew we wanted to understand how the different sharks would react to different questions and answers and just know know them better. And I think that really helped us address them individually when we were on on the set and answering their questions. 
And the other one was just really memorizing our financial model and understanding every number that we had in the business because so much of their questions revolved around that. Um, and we were able to answer them quickly and confidently. And I think that that was that was very helpful. How much doesn't get aired? I'm curious because I'm sure that there is much more behind the scenes than what gets edited. And I'm sure there's a lot that ends up on the cutting room floor. But it is interesting because with the show, uh, of course, the professional edited and produced nature of it uh, allows for some veneer. But you say that the conversation actually became comfortable. And I, I'm assuming in part that means that you felt comfortable speaking in front of them. But I'm just curious how much they asked you that was really like getting down to crunching those numbers and be like, okay, here's here's this number, here's that metric. Okay, I come to this valuation, here's my offer. How much more involved is it than what you would see on the show? So the final take that they had for us, I was very impressed just mm. by how accurately it reflected the conversation mm. that we had in the tank. Sure, mm. there were some there was some additional questions primarily around numbers that was probably kind of boring and wasn't included in in the final take but i was i was expecting for it to feel much different from what it felt like when we were in there but i thought they did a really good job of reflecting it pretty much how i remember the experience being i don't know if you had anything to add to that no i feel similar you've been watching now it definitely you know you are in there longer and there's some stuff cut out but it it's rem it's remarkably close to the true experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's I'm glad that it holds that integrity. Um, never having obviously never having been there, but never having even presented a pitch to an investor like that. I'm always I, I look at it with admiration and also with complete ignorance almost because I'm not sure how it works. And I, I you know, I think there are even some great podcasts, for example, that have that. I just uh, had a guy on the other week who has one of the top podcasts that's basically like Shark Tank adapted for radio. So I'm always just personally curious there. So yeah, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's, um, it's different from many investor conversations when you have a kind of a warm intro. Most of the time you walk in and you know, you've sent some materials ahead of time and they've looked it over or you, you know, you've got mutual friends that have connected you. And so you, there is some common ground and some kind of understanding, but going into Shark Tank, they're actually very careful to make sure that the sharks don't know anything about you and don't have any idea of your business. So that piece of it is very different from the kind of a normal investor conversation, but is very true to what they're showing on the show and kind of the excitement of of the whole thing um, is that we are actually meeting with these investors for the very first time and they're learning about this for the very first time. I would think it's important to have that genuine surprise when a shark or anybody, but especially for the context of the show, a shark sees an idea that they love and almost their thought process through their facial expressions towards offering. And in your case, it was an offer too good to pass up. You took, uh, you know, a deal on the show. You walked away uh, with, um, you know, partnership with Kevin O'Leary, and talk about what it's like to work with him as, as a as a business partner. Like, what what's what's it like life after Shark? Kevin is great. Kevin is, 
he's number one fan. He's kind of he comes across harsh on the show. Um, but I think some of that is just he's very honest. Um, and if you're if he's on your side, but I guess but at the same time, if he's on your side, he's on your side. Um, and he has been tremendously helpful to us as we've grown over the last year and a half since being on the show. I, I think there's really three ways in which Kevin has helped us. He's been a great investor in that he's brought other investors in. He's continued to invest in future rounds, um, which is which is which is really a mark of a good investor. He's helped push us on strategic direction, particularly going into the wedding invitations was one of his big pushes. And I think that's going to make a big difference for the company. And then finally, uh, he's always he's always on the lookout for more opportunities in terms of press or sales channels. And so he's always connecting us in different places And he got us onto QBC and connected us with the view and good morning America. Um, he's in the off. He's been back, back to love pop HQ twice since the show shot. So, um, you know, everyone in the office has met him a couple of times and he's, he's just, uh, he's also one of the, one of the few people that I know when I send an email to is going to respond in 30 seconds, which is, which is, I don't know. I have no idea how he does it. Sort of mind blowing. So, yeah. Yeah. And of course, since then you guys have, uh, you know, as far as I can tell, rocketed up, um, bringing it sort of back to today. You've just come off of a very important day for your business and, it's been very successful, uh, you know, have sold out of almost all of your product. I guess before asking about the road ahead, and I know we talked about it a little already, I want to give it one last shot to see just what, in your opinion, has been like the craziest story that you have encountered here. And it could be one of, oh, you know, this was a really tough time or like, this was something that was really weird that happened in this one place. We talked to this one person or like, here's something that was unexpected, but I'm just sort of curious. It seems like you guys are pretty world traveled. It seems like you've talked to a lot of very uh, influential people in building this up. What's the craziest story you got, or maybe one of them? I, the one that comes to my mind, so maybe we can squeeze in two. I'll be quick, but the one that yeah, comes let's to do my two. Mind, actually, actually has nothing to do with the most influential people. It actually has to do with someone like seemingly at least influential pe people. And it was um, a guy in Vietnam who now manages our entire production facility. Um, he was 23 at the time. And we were, I had gotten to know him. Um, he's an architect living in Ho Chi Minh city. And so working and sourcing stuff and doing um, some of the manufacturing in Vietnam, we had met each other and got to know each other. And it was after a month of just having tremendous problems with our existing suppliers that we were working with. We just couldn't get the quality we wanted. We couldn't get them to deliver on, deliver on time. Um, that I was sitting in this coffee shop with Bao and turned to him and said, this 23-year-old um, Vietnamese guy, and said, do you think you could open a factory? And he kind of looked at me, and then he stopped, and he's like, yes. Did you believe him? And then it was like, okay. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. Do that. <laughs> 
and then we did it. Um, like literally, uh, it was like, okay, well, let's meet tomorrow and talk about the next steps. <laughs> it was a really, really, it was a very cool, very surreal thing. And then we did. So we met the next day and then two months later we had opened the factory and he's still managing it. We actually have 140 people um, that are part of the Lepop family in Vietnam on the assembly and production side. Wow. So it's been just a really cool. And then to go through that growth with Bao, like Wambi and I for sure have grown tremendously through this whole thing. We, we look at each other and say like, do you think we could do what we're doing now three months ago? And the answer is always no. Um, and then, but to have brought and seen, brought Bao along with us and see his development through the whole thing has been one of the most rewarding, coolest experiences for me as well. And I think just that story is really incredible for so many reasons. One is, can you imagine he hadn't finished architecture school yet. So he actually dropped out of architecture school to do this with us. And that's where, you know, we had to make the real commitment that this is this was happening. But imagine yourself not having finished college yet, um, leaving and starting a production facility and growing that to 140 people. And now he's he's 24, 25, still 20, 25. He just turned 25 um, on John's last trip there. So the like imagine at 25 years old running a 140 person company is yeah, really seriously. like crazy. And the other thing is just we had no idea what we were getting into. We kind of knew a little bit and John had had the experience at Metal Shark um, of what it takes to build the engineering team for a production facility but he wasn't running the production facility at metal shark boats and so this was really some new ground for all of us um and we just did it typical love pop style which is charge ahead and, and deal with the problems as they come wow and uh you know deal with the problems deal with everything you have into a an incredible story to date and i know talking a little bit about the upcoming sort of vision for wedding products we've just started 17 uh one of the biggest days of the year if not the biggest day of the year for you guys has passed in terms of the rest of the year what for you would constitute a successful year in growing the business i i, I and i assume the wedding line is, is obviously part of that yeah so we're gearing up for the wedding launch which will happen mid-year and we're very excited about that because we have so much demand from our customers for Love Pop wedding invitations. And it's one of the most special moments in someone's life. And that's what we like to be involved in is the special moments because we have something that can really tell your story, tell your story in a, in a different way. And when we think about our relationship with our customers, we, we believe we connect on three different levels. So there's that first moment where you open the card and it's the wonder. It's like, oh, wow, this is so cool. How does it work? Look at these details. And that's super fun. Um, but then we also know that there's a deeper level of emotion that we connect on because every love pop that goes out to someone is giving an emotional message. 
whether that message is just a happy birthday or a thank you or or congratulations and and so that gives a deeper meaning to like just what all of what we do but also to all of our products but we don't even we don't even think that's the deepest level we think the deepest level is really this level of meaning and a good example to that is um I was talking to one of our customers, uh, Jordan, who has walked by, he said, I've, I've walked by your kiosk for the last six months and I've never bought anything. But today I bought something. I bought the yellow submarine card because my daughter just learned the song in music class and tomorrow's her birthday. And so between him and his daughter, they have this shared meaning um, that's, that's a, a symbol in our card. And I think that's where you get, that's where you really get Love Pop to be something special and something, something different. And we're going to take that concept and build that out even further because we believe that's why people come to Love Pop because they, you know, getting a Hallmark isn't special anymore. Getting that card from the drugstore, it's got a meaning already embedded into it, but it may not be your meaning. And so that's what we do kind of differently. And one of the tenets that we have of how we want to keep building the product line is to create this environment for people to tell their own stories. And so this environment, very new, it's not out there in any way, but one of the goals is for this year is to build it into, <coughs> excuse me, um, is to build this environment into our product line and we call it Love Pop World. And the idea is that each of our cards actually symbolizes a part of this fictional world that we create and uh, builds together into an environment that you can tell your own story in. You guys just keep getting uh, better and better here with the ideas. I, I really look forward to continuing to see what what you do and, and, and see those launches and you know, prepare myself for Love Pop World and, and all those other things. I have uh, I have two questions, and they're the two last questions that I ask everybody on the show. And the first involves, I guess in a loving way, pushing somebody over the edge. And the second question is more shameless self-plugging. But I'll start with the first. You have this incredible story where you have disparate backgrounds, disparate interests, and you saw something in Vietnam that moved you. You came here and tried it out and you moved somebody else. And these series of movements got you to where you are today. And it was two of movement into this business as a whole, your personal dare. There are so many people out there who are moved by either feats of engineering or artistic wonders or creating emotional connections or some combination of the three. And I'm sure there are plenty of things beyond it that motivate people to get into business. But assume that there is someone out there and perhaps they don't have the privilege of the Harvard iLab, but they have an idea and it's something that moves them or they've experienced some moment where they've moved someone else and, and they want to get into it, but they're not sure. They see the downside. They, um, they flock to safety. What would you say, given what you've learned over the years uh, with this business and otherwise, to push them over the edge and to try? I have a very, so one of the, 
an entrepreneur, I was at a session, an entrepreneur was talking, and this one student asked a very similar question, and he said, just do it. And then the student went on to ask a slightly different question, and the entrepreneur replied, just do it. And then it was like the third time we were like, it doesn't, the questions don't matter. Like the most important thing is that you tomorrow go talk to someone about your idea or that you make some forward progress on moving you forward. Find a partner that you want to put a posting up online for like looking for a partner to help me figure out this challenge. Um, like literally anything you can do. And obviously everyone is in different places in their lives and has different considerations. And, you know, you may or may not be able to drop everything to work on this idea, but there's always time you can devote. You can always find time um, to keep moving something forward until the time really is right to commit yourself fully to it. But if you don't commit yourself to it a little bit, you'll never get to the place where you can commit yourself fully to it. I think that that's a good caveat to the phrase, just do it. Because a lot of people, and I'm sure even that person asking the questions to the entrepreneur, heard that, said, okay, got to do it. Uh, I guess I'll just go do it now. But doesn't consider that, oh, that, that means that I can just spend like an hour a day doing this or send one email tomorrow or send a couple of emails tomorrow asking for help. It doesn't have to necessarily be a dive overnight. Just do it doesn't necessarily mean like you said, drop everything and go, but to perhaps stagger it, phase it, try it. Um, maybe just try it. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to think through. Yeah, no, that's good. No, that's good. And you just learn so much. That's the other, the most interesting and the most rewarding piece is how much you learn every day. And whether you um, end up founding the company all the way through and you have a successful company or you have a failure or you work on something for a few months and then decide that's not the way you want to go. Like you will have taken time that you might've been sitting on Facebook or sitting on TV and sitting on TV and you've turned it into learning about something interesting too, which is like always a positive rewarding experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Preach. And we, we didn't start with, um, with love pop before love pop. We were trying to think about how we were going to make a hydroponic fish farm. Um, and we did a whole lot of work on that project before realizing that we were not the people and the business model didn't really make a whole lot of sense. But the number of projects John and I have tried to start before Love Pop actually is, is many. We once tried to make a solar boat, that didn't work either. Turns out you can't get enough light onto a boat. But yeah, you just gotta be, be, be trying things. Yep, it's a great call. It's a good piece of advice too. Last question for you guys, as it pertains to this, at least. Say somebody is so moved or wants to know more or said they were on Shark Tank, I, I missed their episode, or like, how can they find you online? How can they connect with you? How can they buy your stuff? Uh, where where are you? We're online at lovepop.com. And that's the best place to find us. We're also on Facebook, so you can find us there at Love Pop Cards. Um, but lovepop.com is, is your one-stop shop for hundreds of really cool paper art designs. We heard here, folks, if you are interested, and I urge that you go check these guys out, they're an incredible story. 
Um, if you are a little late on your Valentine's Day gift or you're getting married, either. Or if you just want to send uh, something to somebody that'll be a, a truly a mover in terms of making their day better or otherwise, go check these guys out. Uh, it's a work of art. It's a wonder of design. It's Love Pop and it's here to stay. Wambi, John, thanks so much for uh, joining me on the show. It was great to chat. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Anytime. As mentioned, you can find Love Pop at lovepop.com and also on Facebook at Love Pop Cards. If you really want to make a statement for whatever occasion you need, these guys are your ticket. John, Wambi, thanks so much once again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Make sure you keep following To Dare Is Human by subscribing to the show on wherever you get your podcasts. The best way, I say it every time, to keep improving the show for you is through your feedback for me. So leave a rating and review on iTunes if you like what you hear, and I'll shout you out right here on the show. Likewise, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at To Dare Is Human, and also by email, hello at todareishuman.com. I've also started up a YouTube channel where I'll be hosting some video content that you won't find here. I encourage you to check that out, and I'll post about that around social media. All right, that's it. That's enough for now. That's all for this episode of the show. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, I'm your host, Adam Connor. Have a good one. Keep daring. And I'll see you later.